Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt Miller. And this is a bonus episode of Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work, succeed at life, and lead with confidence. Around here, we call it the bonus sode. <laughs> but we're going to share our top takeaways from our recent sabbatical experiences. Yeah, as you may know, we strongly believe in the value of extended time away for rejuvenation, and we're convinced that it makes you much healthier and more productive. And in case you missed our pre-sabbatical episode, go back and listen to episode 31, Why Every Leader Should Take a Sabbatical. I know you'll enjoy it. But for today, we're going to share some of our experiences from the last month, and when we're done, you'll know exactly how the sabbatical experience can enhance your leadership. Along the way, we'll hear from some of our team members who have also taken a sabbatical this year. And I'm happy to have my husband and our chief content officer, Joel Miller, with us in the studio today. Welcome, honey. Howdy. Glad you're Welcome, here. Welcome, Joel. Glad to be here. <laughs> All right, so let's get right into it. Dad, you were on sabbatical for the last month, as were Joel and I, um, but where did you go? Well, the first place we went was British Columbia. Yeah. So I had never been there except for a brief trip to Vancouver maybe 20 years ago. Gail, my wife, your mother, uh, had been there during college. She studied for a semester there at Regent College. And so we wanted to go back and just enjoy the cool weather in an otherwise hot and muggy Nashville summer. Yeah. So we did several things. Uh, the first place we went was Victoria, which is on Vancouver Island. And we stayed at an iconic hotel there. And we went out whale watching one day. And we went to the Bouchard, Bouchard? I'm not sure how exactly how you say that, Gardens which was amazing and beautiful. Like botanical gardens? Kind yeah, it's of. like a botanical mm-hmm. gardens, and it's really phenomenal, the most beautiful gardens I've ever ever been in. Wow. And then we went to Salt Spring Island, where we spent about four days. That was beautiful, too, mm-hmm. just really laid back and restful. We didn't do much. Uh, we slept in. I got almost eight to nine hours sleep every night during my nice. sabbatical. Then we went from there, and this was fun. We flew back to Vancouver, and uh, then we caught a seaplane up to Bella Bella, Hmm. So this is halfway between Vancouver and the Alaskan border. Oh, wow. So in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. So then we got in a helicopter and went out to this fishing lodge for five days, and we went fishing for salmon and halibut Mm. for five days. So fun. Enormously relaxing. We brought back 85 pounds of fish filet. We had to buy another freezer to put them in. So family fish fry? (laughs) Yeah. So we had some fish last night, as a matter of fact. Wow. And then we came back, and then we spent uh, another five days in Vancouver proper, in downtown Vancouver in the city, and we just had a great time there, ate some amazing food. And then we came back for the final 10 days, we were back in Nashville for a bit of a staycation. And yeah, that was a lot of fun. Wow. What about you? What did you guys do? Joel, do you want to talk about what we did to start off with? Yeah. uh, Well, we started with a staycation. Uh, we were home for the first week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, we, you know, grabbed the whole crew. Uh, all four of our kids. All four kids. <laughs> and we all crammed into the Suburban and drove west. We went to Montana. Go west, young man. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and we did. We went to Montana. Uh, That's a long drive. Three days there. And it was five days back. Uh, wow. We stopped off at uh, Yellowstone and Grand Teton on the way back, uh, went through Colorado on the way home. But on the way there, we went through uh, South Dakota and we saw the Badlands and uh, Mount Rushmore. And then we went up to uh, Glacier National Park. 
We did. We stayed um, outside of Glacier National Park about 45 or 50 minutes in a town called Big Fork, which is a lovely town on the Flathead Lake, which is a beautiful glacier-fed mm. lake. And we stayed right on a river. So our kids were the in Swan the water. Yeah, the Swan River. The kids were in the water all day. We were outside almost the whole time we were gone. It was yeah. really fun. We fished and kayaked and rode horses and uh, sat around the fire and took naps and Read books. Read, I read lots of books. I read yeah, eight books. It was fantastic. Eight books. Eight books. That's amazing. Yeah. So for Gail and I, this was our seventh sabbatical, but for you guys, this was your first one, right? Right. Where you'd taken four weeks, 30 days off. So at the end of it, how did you come back? Hmm. Just really rested. I, first of all, uh, I think on the front end, there was a sense that maybe a month would go by really fast, you know, that almost like a scarcity, you know, like we've never taken a whole month off. We've taken two weeks off and, you know, maybe even more than that at various times, but never a whole month. And, you know, what if it goes by too fast? But actually it felt like it was really a good amount of time. It didn't go by too quickly. Um, And I think when we got home, we just felt rested like at a soul level that even a good vacation can't quite accomplish. Yeah. I I found the first week very restful, almost like any traditional vacation. Like I, I needed some time off and in the first week I found very restful. And then the third week I found deeply restful. And I, I thought, I thought that was interesting, but by the end of it, the sum total was like just a lot of rejuvenation. Mm-hmm. Well, I love seeing the uh, photographs that you guys were sending along when you were in Montana yeah. Yeah. and you were floating down that river. Right. Yeah. That just was iconic. That was rest, a hit. Yeah. You know, of doing nothing. Right. Yeah. So one of the things that we got on our sabbatical last year when uh, Gail and I went to Italy was this whole concept from the Italians called uh, dolce far niente, which means the sweetness of doing nothing. Mm. And the thing I love about a sabbatical is you get an opportunity to do, to do nothing because right. I think we're so programmed to work all the time. Well, even on our vacations, our vacations can almost feel like work because you're yeah. trying to do so many things that you don't really rest. But when you feel like you have the luxury of time, you're really able to slow down. Well, now, Joel said he was really relaxed in that first week. Mm-hmm. I found in my first week when I first started doing this seven years ago that that first week was good until the close of the first week. And then I started getting anxious. Yes. Did you experience that? I did. I, I would say I had several points of kind of anxiety. You know, the first few days for me were such a relief. I actually did like a little mini staycation by myself, like a personal retreat where I did some yoga and massages. And I actually stayed in your carriage house. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> the Hyatt Hotel. Um, and enjoyed that kind of just to have some alone time, knowing I was about to be on the road for three weeks with all four of my kids and no no babysitter. Um, so that was really nice. But I did have some moments of anxiety where I kind of felt like, okay, that was great. I'm rested now, you know, probably a, a weekend to our time in Montana. You know, I felt like I, c- I could have been done. Or then um, at the end of the trip, when we were coming home, you know, I felt really ready to leave. I could sense that. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, in fact, I went to yoga last night and I was reminded because I do a yoga practice called restorative yoga. And it's challenging to stay in those positions and just sort of lean into it and not try to escape, you know, to stay with the rest. And I actually think a sabbatical is very similar to that. That there's there's an element of not quite discipline in a, in, in a bad way, but you're really challenging yourself to stay with being in a restful, rejuvenating place when it's much easier and more natural to go back to activity. And it's so good for your soul and your relationships to stay with it. And so, so it was something of a challenge. Well, it kind of seems counterintuitive. It does. But rest takes practice. It does take practice. I've, I've said this for years, but napping takes practice. Rest <laughs> takes practice. And it really takes discipline. 
I am Susie Barber, and I am the Senior Director of Operations for Michael Hyatt & Company. I realized a week or two into the sabbatical that I was tired in ways that I didn't even know how to express, that I just had some fatigue almost like in my soul that I think comes from trials and things that you face in life in general and working so hard for so long. And all of a sudden it felt like a week or two into it, almost like there was this refreshing and this re-energizing in, um, in areas where I didn't even know that I was tired or that I was lacking. I just all of a sudden had energy to play with my toddlers and to keep up with them in a way that I hadn't before. I was alert and present to nature. And so it just kind of refreshed me creatively and energetically in a way that I never, never ever thought that I even needed. Um, just kind of almost at a spiritual level, I felt rested in a way that I don't know that I've ever really felt rested. Joel, I'm curious about the books that you read, you read eight books, and I, I know just because the way we talk about rest, those weren't business books. Yeah, not one. Yeah. So what, did, what kinds of things did you read? I read, this is par for the course for me, but I read uh, several history books, and I read um, Don Miller's A Million Miles in a Thousand Years with uh, Great book. my uh, eldest uh, son. It's kind of a book to help him get started thinking about how he's going to stitch his life together. Um, He's 17, by the way, so yeah. this is timely. 17. Uh, I read a little bit of theology, which I, I like. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I, I tend to think that the best way to read uh, following uh, Alan Jacobs is to follow your whims and to like stack up the genres and just kind of uh, put together your own little program based on what's interesting you in the moment. And that's what I did. And that's how I that's awesome. through those books. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I didn't read quite that much. I read five books, uh, actually four books, but one of them twice. So I'm counting that mm -hmm. as, as no, five. No, totally. But yeah, you, know, you got to count whatever you can, right? So one of the most interesting books that I read, and this is the one I read twice, was one by uh, uh, Jaron Lanier. And it's called 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. <laughs> yep. We read that too. We did read it too. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a book that if it had come from anyone other than someone who is a Silicon Valley insider and someone who is kind of the co-founder of virtual reality. You know, he's got a, a long technological pedigree. I would have dismissed it as mm -hmm. kind of extreme or whatever. But the book really had a profound impact on me. Yeah. And I think that I'm looking at social media in a very different way. I did, I did not delete my social media accounts, but I'll tell you what I did do is I finished that book before the end of my first week of my sabbatical. And Gail and I decided to go off social media. I know you guys did yep. too. And not be on it for the rest of the month. How was that experience mm. for you? Okay, so back to your question about anxiety. Actually, when I think about it, probably what created a lot of anxiety initially was that decision because we don't realize how reflexively and how often we pick up our phones to check stuff. And so to not have connection with the, quote, outside world while we were in remote Montana um, – it made me antsy and it made yeah. me realize how often I'm not present with the people that I'm with, even though that's something I really prioritize. And I thought I honestly, I, I, I thought I was better at it than I turned out to be. Mm. Um, and so that was almost like a little detox, I would say for several days, if not a week of just 
realizing, okay, I don't need to carry my phone everywhere. I can just leave it. All my kids are here. They're all safe. That's really all that matters. You know, I I can just read a book. And what I found is I read so much more that I was willing to stay in conversations longer with our kids, which was so just really beautiful Mm -hmm. and meaningful for them. I'm looking at Joel here. Um, and, you know, it's like everything just kind of slowed down and it became about the people I was with, not the people that I'm not with. Even the taking of pictures, you know, didn't become like a compulsive thing where I take the picture, leave the moment that the picture came from to go share it on social media. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. I mean, in a sense, your online world, your social media world can end up being sort of the thing that's shaping your reality. Right. Because you're curating everything for that. Yeah. Right. Instead of being present in the moment, you miss right. the moment. So okay. what was it like for you? I took social media apps off my phone uh, a couple years ago, mm. and so I have been a little bit less, I think, reflexively attached to my phone. He's in being that generous here. He's saying he's not as addicted as I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I still log in uh, to social media on my computer and use social media on my computer up until reading the book. Uh, at which point I decided, actually, I'll just log out and see about logging out for a while and see what that does. And the funny thing is, I I didn't log into social media at all while we were on on sabbatical. I haven't logged in since either. And it's funny because every now and then, while I'm sitting there at my laptop, I'll still like type in twitter.com, like just in the search bar, and the browser will pop me right in there and remind me that I'm still not logged in. And I'll go, oh, why did I even do that? And... <laughs> And then I'll uh, click on to something else more important or get back to my work or whatever. But uh, it is like a reflex uh, thing. And if it's there, you're going to like, you know, fall down the hole. And so it's good for me not to fall down the hole. I just stay logged out now. Yeah, I noticed I had all those same emotions, you know, that that initially it was hard because just kind of reflexively and compulsively Mm -hmm. you check your phone or you feel a little bit out of touch. Right. You don't know what's going on. Almost like lonely. Yeah. Even with other people. I think that's an interesting phenomenon. What what happened as a result of this, because our whole family was doing this, right? right. So uh, <laughs> like typically in our family, when somebody gets into something, everybody gets into it. So all the other girls were off social media for the most part. So we started connecting through messages just to stay connected to our right. extended family. And you know what? That's really all I care about. Right. I don't care about all these random people that I have these superficial relationships with. Yeah. I really don't. Well, that's where for me... Staying out of social media was super helpful because the truth is there's a lot of noise in the world. And while there's anxiety that possibly comes from feeling disconnected, uh, at the same time, for me, I felt like I quieted so much noise Mm -hmm. in the world. And I was finally just free to think and sit around and do nothing. Just be. Yeah, just be. My name is Blair Arcaney, and I'm the Director of Customer Experience at Michael Hyatt & Company. I would say that it was far more restful and rejuvenating than I even anticipated that that it would be. Um, I think, upon reflection, I think that if you take the time that you need to to plan to unplug, um, you will find that time slows down pretty quickly, and you're able to experience the the rest that comes from being off the grid, so to speak. And so that was really a takeaway for me was I, I did take a lot of time to ensure that that I could remove the cord. I could cut the cord and kind of remove anything from my immediate life and experience that would kind of tie me back to maybe work or anything that would be outside of my sabbatical. And so I took the, the care to do that. And I think that what that allowed me to do was um, was immediately kind of 
launch into this season of, of um, a slow-paced, rejuvenating season of rest. Okay, so that brings up a bigger question about sabbaticals, which is to what degree do you unplug? You know, if you're if you haven't yeah. taken a sabbatical before, that's a question you're going to be thinking about. Um, so, what does that look like for you? Well, what it looked like for me was I I know myself, and I've been doing this for a while, so I know I've got to be a little bit defensive in the way that I set myself up for it. Mm-hmm. So, like Joel, and I only do this during sabbaticals, is I deleted the social media apps off my phone even before I read the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I deleted Slack off my phone, which is our internal communication thing. And um, email, I didn't really delete off my phone, but I moved it off the dock. Uh-huh. So I just put it kind of back in one of the, the latter pages because I didn't want to I didn't yeah. want to check that. So um, I did have my laptop with me and I did the same, pretty much the same thing uh, there. Yeah. So uh, unfortunately for me, I did stay connected in one particular item. I didn't stay connected to our business too much. I think I checked in maybe, I don't know, there were two or three things that the team members Mm -hmm. had to have questions on and it probably collectively took me 10 minutes in my entire 30-day sabbatical. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, But I'm on the board of a seminary and we're in the process of a search for a new academic dean and I happen to be the executive chair of the board. So I was involved in that more than I would have liked to be. Right. And it was kind of time critical, but, but it was okay. Yeah. You know, that's at least enough different from my business Yeah, that it was okay. But that's kind of good learning that it's one thing to unplug from your business, but it's easy to forget about other things yes. that feel like work that maybe aren't where you earn your living um, that you may need to plan in advance to disconnect from. Well, and I think if I had to do it all over again, and this is kind of part of the after action review, I would have set parameters around that. Yeah, that's good. Because it did keep me from being present. Yeah. What about you? Uh, same thing. I, I really took the rules that we apply um, in our business to our uh, evenings and mornings that are outside of work and our weekends, which is that we don't uh, read about work, we don't talk about work, we don't do work during those times. And I just extended those um, to our sabbatical. And so I think the practice that I have doing that made it really easy for me to disconnect. And, um, I believe we mentioned this in the episode we did before the sabbatical, but we had established together, um, with our executive team, a list of quote emergencies that they could contact us for. So it was sort of like, here are the times when we want to know what's happening, um, so that we're able to, otherwise relax. Like if no one's calling us, there's not an emergency, you know? And so that worked out really well. We each had a point person for that. Um, And like you said, we, we each had about a 10 minute phone conversation while we were gone and otherwise not much. Yeah. Joel. Yeah. In advance of the sabbatical, I gave my team a pretty clear list of things uh, that I wanted them to tackle and also then gave them a list of things that I told them to reach me about, you know, like what and you have about, about nine people on your team. Is that right? Eight. Eight. Okay. Um, and so I basically, you know, knew what they were up to while, while I was out. So I didn't have to worry about that. And I knew exactly what they were going to reach me about if there were a problem. And I heard from nobody. It was amazing. So you may have done better than we did. <laughs> I, I, I came back and the list of, uh, of assignments that I had, uh, charged my team with were done and had exceeded my expectations. And on top of that, uh, I was totally free uh, to think about none of it while we were That's away. amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I think the, one of the reasons why it works so well for you guys is you developed a tool before we went on sabbatical, uh, maybe a month or two before we went on sabbatical that we're using now with our coaching clients called the Vacation yes. Optimizer. Yeah. Awesome. 
And so it's a way of kind of envisioning the end result, what yeah. it is that you want, and working on sort of these contingency plans so that you're not distracted or disrupted during your vacation. Yeah. But I'm, I'm curious for you guys, in terms of what you expected it to be, because all of our employees get a 30-day paid sabbatical every three years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this was Not your that turn. we're paying for the trip, by the no, way. No, we're not paying for the trip, <laughs> but we're paying- Yeah, the, for the, for, paid uh, time off. Yeah, paid time off. And so this was your three years to do this, right? right? Because I think for Joel, this was his third year, right. and he was hired after you. Right. And so how was it different from what you expected or what you wrote down on your vacation optimizer, what you hoped to achieve? Hmm. It was actually very much the same. I mean, I think that's really? the power of having a compelling and clear vision on the front end. I think the things that I said that I wanted to um, accomplish were rest, uh, connection, and making memories with our kids. And I think yeah. we did all three of those things at least as good as I envisioned, um, yeah. but probably better. Well, wow. I think the thing that was fun about that was, you know, when you use a planning tool, it's it's not specific. It can't be as specific as an event. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you have a budget and then you have an actual column, you know? And so in in a vacation optimizer, this tool or any kind of planning tool, you're kind of imagining what it will be and that's your budget. And then you have your actual column and that's what actually happened. And and the, the definition on the actual is always so much more than you can imagine up front. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think for me, what happened was I had like connection was one, but like in the moment, what that looked like was I would be reading something and one of my kids would say that they wanted to float down the river or go ride bikes or whatever. And I would have a moment to choose right then, oh, I'm free to go play. And in that moment, what that looks like is me riding my bike with my son. And and the, the definition on that, like the refinement of that thought, that dream, that uh, plan to go play turned out to be actual play, riding a bike with my son in that moment, Mm -hmm. and the sense of adventure of riding down a street we'd never been on before, and like, where does it end? I don't know. And all those kinds of things all came up for real in a moment that was so much more than I actually imagined. Mm -hmm. I love that. And by the way, if we had been connected to work and were being interrupted by work or checking email or those kinds of things, it would be so much more difficult to kind of stay in that space where you're able to play and connect or rest. You know, Mm. it's like you have to do a lot of work. It's it's kind of like you got to go down below, you know, the water surface. And if you have to keep constantly coming up and down, you just can't, you can't really get any depth on it. And I think that's what we're, what we really experienced. Yeah. Yeah. We experienced that too. And I, I can tell you from having a casual conversation with your oldest son, Finn, earlier this week, I asked him, it's the first time I'd seen him since you guys had been back. And I said, how was your sabbatical? And he just said, granddaddy, it was amazing. I mean, <laughs> he was so effusive about it. And then he told me some of the things that, that you guys yeah. did. And so that's a, that's a pretty big win when the kids think it's a win. Totally. Yeah. And it wasn't like you went to Disney World no. and then you guys came back exhausted. They had a fun time, but you came back exhausted. Right. It wasn't that at all. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Hi, I'm Danielle Rogers, and I'm the Human Resources Manager for Michael Hyatt & Company. I feel like I'm learning how to vacation like a boss, and my mini Sabbath skills are beginning to improve too, um, which is fun to be able to figure out how I can take some of the best aspects of vacationing and taking a sabbatical and sprinkle that into my life um, to be able to have these what I call mini Sabbaths, which is great. And then this kind of undefined sharpness that I have now that I've returned back to work 
Um, my personality type is the type where I love to plan things out. I'm a planner. I love to gather information and analyze it and then use that to confidently move forward with whatever path you know I've created. And it's hard for me to change direction sometimes or to um, do something new when I have already planned out my path and my plan and it's, this is now something new that deviates from it. But being away from work for an entire month has really allowed me to step away and come back and I still have the ability to get down into the weeds as I need to, uh, but it also has given me a unique ability to have a 30,000 foot perspective more often and be able to um, strategically know what it makes sense to change direction or do something differently. My brain is able to recalculate, kind of like the GPS recalculates the route more often whenever I need to, which was unexpected, but very helpful. So what do you think the value after all these sabbaticals that you've taken, what's the value of these on your well-being? You know, there's so many things, uh, but re-entry is one of my favorite things. You know, like I'm kind of like the day or two before I come back, I'm really starting to anticipate Mm -hmm. coming back. But I would say the overwhelming emotion that I felt when I got back was gratitude. Yeah, us too, actually. And it was actually not gratitude for the sabbatical. It was gratitude for the work that I get to do, Mm -hmm. you know, and for the people I get to work with. And the, just the joy of doing that. Mm-hmm. And I felt so rejuvenated and so re-energized. And I think that one of the things that sometimes we're not conscious of sort of in the warp and woof of work is that it, it takes its toll on us over time where we kind of lose energy little bit by little mm-hmm. and we burn out. Yeah, you know. And so to do this is a way to keep from burning out so that I get excited about my work again. Totally. Well, when we came back, uh, one of the things that happened for us is we felt incredibly grateful for our home. You know, we had yeah. been five days traveling by that point and, you know, some better hotels by the end, but a couple of really bad ones on the front end that, you know, we'll hope to never visit again. And when we walked into our house, it was like, wow, we've, I think, I think the feeling was, wow, we've created this whole life here. That's really beautiful. It's, it's aesthetically beautiful. It's comfortable. It's expressive of who we are. Mm-hmm. It's a place of belonging. And just to return to that after having been away from it mm-hmm. for three weeks was really special. Yeah. And we just kind of walked around for several days. We still had several days before we went back to to work and um, just kind of shaking our heads at all that we had been entrusted with and and blessed with. And I think that that was true for the business too. I mean, all three of us commented on the fact that the night before we came back to work, we, we came back on a Wednesday, um, that we kind of couldn't sleep well the night before. It was like, oh, we can't wait to see Christmas. all our people yeah. and see how all the things we're doing. You know, it was, it was really fun. Well, part of what was fun is that our team finished up the new office space while we were gone. Right. So we walked right. into that on our first official day. Right. They had they and some contractors had been working till late that night, like till 10 o'clock that mm-hmm. night before, just because they wanted to surprise us. Yeah. And we were totally floored. I mean, we were wow. Right. Well, I think the other thing um, with regard to the value of sabbaticals professionally is that you have a new energy and a new kind of creativity for the projects that you're working on and the things that you're creating that you never would have if you kind of stayed in the grind. Because all of us, like you were saying, you just, you kind of get um, consumed by the the dailiness of your life and your Mm -hmm. business. And one of the benefits of being totally disconnected, reading outside of business books or professional development, having these other experiences experiences is you have a totally fresh perspective and all kinds of connections that you've been making while you've been away and your brain is fresh and you bring all of that to your business, which I don't think you could replicate in any other way besides that kind of rest. You know, I think for me, playing off of that basic idea is 
that it simplified everything. So in the noise of the daily, what happens for me is I think it's sort of like the ends of the rope get frayed. And Mm. as the ends of the rope get frayed, as your life kind of uh, ends up being fragmented and going in so many different directions, it's hard to like bring them back together and, and like to find the simplicity of things being unified again. And by disconnecting from all of that, it was a like, all of those frazzled ends, all those fragmented uh, aspects to uh, my daily work and relationships and all that kind of stuff settled down again. And it was like everything got simple again. And so when I came back, I realized, oh, this is like what leisure looks like and this is what work looks like. And it was so straightforward. Wow. And so as I've dipped back in, I have like total clarity about my work, which I think had been really fragmented and broken down before. You know, this this reminds me, not to wax too philosophical, but you feel more integrated. Yes. And you feel totally. like you can live with more integrity. Yeah. yeah. You know, that you're, you're not fractured. Mm-hmm. You know, you're one person who has the joy of, like we say here, winning at work, succeeding at life, mm-hmm. leading with confidence, yeah. and all that just works together. Mm-hmm. Yep. I am Justin Barber, and I am the Chief Financial Officer for Michael Hyatt and Company. For me, the sabbatical experience was definitely beyond expectations. I think in part that was because I didn't really know what to expect. I hadn't taken more than just a week off at a time from a job in the past, and so trying to find a way to fill four entire weeks of time away from work was daunting at first because I wasn't sure how that would go. Would I? you know, be tired of, of being off. I mean, everyone kind of laughs and says, how could you be tired of being off work? But I really didn't know. So I didn't know what to expect because I had never experienced it. But I think it was a neat experience to be able to look back and, and say, wow, I've been gone for so long that I can't wait to get back. Because in a normal, quote unquote, normal situation for time away from work, you're probably taking a week, maybe two weeks, depending on the allowances that your job might give you. And by the time you're finally starting to kind of feel in a good flow and, and in a good place, it's almost time to go back to the office and then kind of re- reconnect with all those things that are waiting for you. But so this was almost like two two week periods in a row where you got to finally fully unwind from the demands of life a little bit, from the demands of work, from mixing those two things together. And then you get to the point where at least for us, where we said, you know, gosh, we can't wait to get back there. We're feeling energized. We're feeling rested. You know, we're missing the people that we work with. We're missing our supervisors because we work for some of the most amazing people that we've ever worked for in the past. So um, it, it was a really cool experience to kind of have that insight as well. All right. So it's time for our favorite question, which is, yes. do you have any final thoughts? I know I was going to ask you before you asked me, but... Yeah, I think the the final thought I have is that you may not be in a position right now where you can take a 30-day sabbatical. Now, I would challenge that mm-hmm. because like I did with a f- mutual friend of ours who said she could never do that, I challenged her. She did it this year for the mm-hmm. first time, 30 days. Because what I asked was the question of what would have to be true in order for you to have to have a 30-day sabbatical. Mm-hmm. And so that got her in the creative space of thinking about, okay, well, somebody would have to take care of my clients and I'd have to prepare my employees and I'd have to have a cash flow. So it took her a year. Actually, right. it took her two years to get to that place. She did like a shorter one. She did a shorter one. And then she yeah. got to that where she could do it actually this year. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing for her. Right. So, but regardless, even if you can't do a 30-day uh, sabbatical, the key is to be intentional with whatever time you have. Yep. 
So determine in advance how you want to feel and how you want to be when you come back. Mm -hmm. Do you want to be rested? Do you want to be rejuvenated? That's going to inform the kinds of activities that you involve yourself in when you go into your vacation or your sabbatical. So again, I would just say, be intentional. Do you have any final thoughts? I think my final thoughts are, you know, you may think that you're doing this for yourself, that this is a gift to yourself at a personal level because you're tired and you're burnt out and you kind of need a vacation. But this is really a gift to the people you love. And it's a gift to the business that you hopefully love, you know, that you'll never be able to contribute more to your family and to your business than when you're your most rested, your most resourceful, your most creative. So this is one of the least selfish or self-indulgent things that you can do. And I really think it drives results in your business and at home. I do too. Thank you for reframing it that. Since we have Joel That's right. with us and we don't usually have Joel, I mean, he's here as a writer. Do you have any final thoughts? Hmm. Your life is probably far more noisy, distracted, and full of disruptions than you realize. Hmm. That's true for me. So to step out of the whirlwind, to step out of like the tornado of daily life and just kind of chill out for a while turns out to be maybe one of the most helpful things I've experienced professionally in a long, long time. Okay, guys, we'll see you next Tuesday with our regular episode of Lead to Win.